Hey, it's Amber and welcome to season three of Politics But Make It Fashion. Come chat with me. Hey, everybody. Happy Sunday. I am freezing. I woke up this morning um, because my child's alarm was going off, okay, at seven. And then Alexa proceeded to tell me what the weather was, and it was 21 degrees. So how's everybody doing? (laughs) I am doing well. So some updates from us this week. We started decorating. Well, we started and finished decorating for Christmas. Um, The house looks so cute and festive. I love when your house looks like Christmas. It's just so cozy and cute and... um, I like when you have a tree and it smells like pine and all those things. We have a little train and the train smell it. Um, it plays, it plays music, uh, Christmas carols. And then it also like choo choos and, and puffs smoke. And it smells like, I don't know, Christmassy, like a fireplace, like a pine thing. It's, it's cute. I like it. <clears throat> so that was, um, so that was really fun what we did and, decorating with me and her is always kind of like our little tradition we normally watch the grinch um any variation of it but she loves like the new animated one so we watch that drink hot cocoa and um of course the dog is in a christmas fit and we decorate so for you guys that don't know november is national homeless youth month And there was a recent study done by social workers that showed there are 4.2 million youth across America that are experiencing homelessness over a year-long period. So there's kind of different definitions of what being homeless is um, or what being unhoused is because there's people who couch surf, especially for youth for kids couch surfing is something that is very popular among them and they still don't have their own place they still are technically unhoused but they are able to say stay a week over here at a friend's house stay you know over a weekend at a significant other's house another week at a cousin's house or something like that um a lot of these kids are part of the lgbtq plus community due to the fact that um you know they get kicked out of their homes for being part of that community. And that's something that's real. And that's something that really happens out there. So whenever we start to think about or say things like, you know, there's an agenda or people are trying to indoctrinate your kids, think about the 150,000 youth in Pennsylvania who are reported to be experiencing homelessness over a 12 month period. And a lot of them are LGBTQ plus kids you know, who don't have any support and, um, and don't have a family anymore, basically, because they decided to live, you know, their, their life. (laughs) Um, so this is something that I always tell everybody, everyone needs to always get tested all the time, guys, all the time. You need to practice safe sex because it's real out here and people are crazy. Okay. I was reading, um, like this article, And while I was reading the news and then this article popped up and y'all, the title said syphilis tsunami. 
syphilis tsunami. Yeah, just let that sit. Let it soak for a second. (laughs) Um, In North Carolina, reports have said that there have been five newborn deaths. And these deaths are linked to congenital syphilis. And this is taking place, Sean, in 2023. Okay. The death and experience, the deaths and symptoms experienced by newborns are completely preventable if properly treated. So syphilis is not a, and should not be a death sentence, but you have to get tested and you have to get treated for it. If not, you can pass that on to your child. So one of the kind of crazy things is that the National Center of Disease and Control um, and the National Health Department have emphasized the importance of healthcare providers testing pregnant women for syphilis and assigning them a course of treatment to curb this epidemic. But what's crazy is if you are receiving good prenatal care, like if you have um, a doctor and you're seeing your doctor regularly, part of just going and getting the pregnancy test in a doctor's office, getting, um, you know, your first exam, getting your ultrasound, maybe getting a transvaginal ultrasound, all of those things, testing is normally done when you have a doctor. So people aren't getting that done. And I just didn't like that. It's, I mean, yes, it's preventable, but it's like, why aren't people going to the doctor about this? And part of the reason that I felt like they kind of left out of this, um, this report about it was the fact that people don't have insurance. People don't have money, um, to do things. So people are taking out things in their life due to inflation and the cost of living and the lack of health care that most people have. People are taking things out of their life that need to still be in there, but they're taking them out because they can't afford it. You know, so if somebody's not receiving prenatal care, then they're not going to be tested for syphilis. And we're going to get things like a syphilis tsunami, you know, and so part of making it so these wild things don't happen is to have health care. And you see how all of these things are very connected to each other. And this is affecting women. You know, this is a women's health care issue. Um, but also if a woman has congenital syphilis and has a partner, then that partner is now at risk as well. So that was just um, crazy. That title like really threw me off. So everybody just be safe out there and and just really um, remember that. And also ladies, be careful extra because there is a thing called stealthing. And I can't remember if we had talked about it on the podcast before, but it recently came up in a conversation, more debate I was having with somebody in my DMs on Facebook. And this is why half the time I don't even open my DMs. But what stealthing is, is when a woman or person agrees to sex with a condom on. And then while you're in the process of that consensual act, the partner takes that off without your knowledge and continues going on. So that is something that is happening to people out there. So, 
not only do you have to make sure that whoever you're with is is practicing safe sex and everybody's getting tested but also like you have to pay attention the whole time you're doing it to make sure that like they're not stealthing you and like taking the condom off mid mid session like what is what is that um what is wrong with people so uh kind of i guess uh keeping with the tides of what we're talking about there is um a study that was just done um that i was reading on nbc news that was saying that low sperm counts might be caused by pesticides now i'm gonna just say this um we know that pesticides are horrible we know that they are detrimental to your body and also to the earth so it is no shock to me that pesticides also do this i'm like really are we really surprised um a new analyst of 25 studies of different types of pesticides show a clear connection between a low sperm count and using pesticides a prolonged decline in male fertility in the form of sperm concentrations appears to be connected to the use of pesticides so that's crazy and you know um when and again this is how all these things are connected to each other is because we are having a low birth rate here in the u.s you know and there's a lot of concerns especially on the right-wing side of things about population and kind of women not having kids and our population declining and things like that but we pollute the earth you know we we don't have a real fda where they're able to come in and say hey guys red dye is poisonous we're taking all red dye off the shelf why aren't they doing that we don't have anybody who's doing that we're not we don't have a, a governing body that's saying hey these pesticides that we know are doing harm to people why don't we just take all this stuff off the shelf because maybe just maybe part of the reason why there also is a low birth rate is because we're using a lot of chemicals that cause harm to sperm counts and reproductive health i just solved it guys i know i know that's wild it's crazy to think that but i don't know it's it's just maybe all these things are connected to each other um and there was the the lawsuit against the one uh pesticide company where the gentleman he ended up dying because he had terminal cancer but he won the lawsuit against them for causing cancer to him you know and there's people who's and a lot of men um who work outside who work in lawn care who work in these things where that's their job to spray these things and i remember um so one of the reasons why i started using all natural products or trying to use all natural products in my house and my cleaning products and the reason i stopped using things like bleach and pine saw was they had sprayed my yard when i lived in virginia and sprayed it with pesticides and they didn't say anything to anybody they just came around sprayed the yard to whatever so when i took my dog outside um to go to the bathroom and it was like a while later he ended up getting really really sick and i remember just being so terrified and stuff and they were asking me like what did he eat or 
da 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 da. And it actually took a while for me to figure out what happened, but um, there was another neighbor that I had, and their like cat or something got sick from being outside, and they thought it was the spray. And I honestly didn't even think about it. And they were mad because they were like, why would, first of all, why wouldn't they tell anybody like send a flyer and say, Hey, we're doing this. And why, like who needed that to be done? You know what I mean? Like, are the bugs ridiculous in Virginia? Absolutely. But did we need y'all to come in there and doing that? No. So I realized how, um, deadly, these things oh and the pesticide was roundup sorry guys i couldn't remember what it was called when i was talking about the gentleman that died who won the lawsuit against roundup but it's just it was so crazy and my dog got sick and when i took him to the vet um and was talking to the nurse there she was saying that yeah like they're you know, she's explaining this to me and she's like, he's so tiny and and their dogs are low to the ground and they're licking everything and they're sniffing everything. And she said, all that stuff is getting on their body, you know? So she was like the stuff that they spray, you know, bug spray, you're spraying in your house, bleach, you're cleaning your floors with pine salt. They're licking that stuff or they're sniffing or whatever. And if we aren't supposed to be ingesting the fumes, then, you know, neither should they be you know, and it, and so that's just, that was just such a very scary way to kind of, for me to have my eyes open about, you know, pesticides and, and things like that, because that was just such a scary experience. So, um, I will take a short break and we will be right back. Seventy-two Hours of Hell: My Time in the VA is out now on Amazon. This short story is about my time being in the Veterans Affairs Hospital on a voluntary seventy-two hour hold. This journey through involuntary hold was marked by humiliation, broken promises, and a profound sense of vulnerability. My path towards seeking help was extremely challenging. Despite the setbacks faced, I hope my journey will lead other veterans and anyone else facing mental health issues to the care and support they might desperately require. 72 Hours of Hell, My Time in a VA is available now on Amazon Kindle. Welcome back. Welcome back, my podcast listeners. Um, This story is really crazy to me, and I wonder if any of you had heard about it because I actually had no idea that this even happened. So U.S. Army sets aside convictions of 110 Black soldiers over the 1917 Houston riots. So the what they're calling Houston riots was the single largest mass execution of American soldiers by the U.S. Army in American history. So recently, this week, they just overturned those convictions because the participants in this riot, and I'll get into the details, they were given dishonorable discharges and, um, and worse, there was people who were also executed. So the Houston riot began in 1917. It's also known as the Camp Logan Mutiny. 
So this mutiny and riot was of 156 soldiers from the all-black 24th Infantry Regiment of the United States Army. This was in Houston, Texas. The incident occurred within a climate of overt hostility from members of the all-white Houston Police Department against members of the local black community and the black soldiers stationed at Camp Logan. So while Americans were fighting in the wars, plural, um, you know, the great wars that we had, and also Vietnam, um, Korea as well, being a soldier while being black was not the most safe thing that you could be because a lot of times it was taken as, oh, you think you're somebody. So there was a lot of black soldiers who wouldn't wear their uniforms out and, you know, proudly and things like that because it was almost like a calling card for you to get harassed and beat up or even killed. So there were police departments and obviously a lot of just other people who would go after and harass black soldiers, whether they were veterans or whether they were active duty. So there was an incident where police officers arrested and assaulted some black soldiers. So after that, after that incident happened, many black soldiers and their comrades mutinied and they marched to Houston. Well, opened fire, they were open fire upon Um, Some civilians were killed, 11 civilians were killed, and five policemen. Five soldiers were also killed, and some were killed by friendly fire. So basically what friendly fire is, that means that it was your people you serve with in the army with them. So it was fellow soldiers that also killed them. 118 soldiers were tried in three court-martials. 110 were convicted, 19 were executed, and 63 were sentenced to life in prison. So after a thorough review, and this is from the Army Board for Correction of Military Records Fund, the soldiers of the 3rd Battalion, 24th Infantry Regiment, also known as the Buffalo Soldiers, were wrongly treated because of their race and were not given fair trials. So the Secretary of the Army, Christine uh, Warmonth, she talked to the press this week, and so this is when all of their um, convictions were overturned. So I knew about the Buffalo Soldiers, and I knew other instances of things that had happened, but I never heard about this until... I saw this pop up saying that their convictions were being overturned. And I was like, oh, what were they, what were they convicted of? What happened? And that was just such a, I'm glad that they, you know, finally fixed the history of it because there are still people in those families who are still alive and who now will be able to enjoy that their family members had their, their records expunged. So um, if you guys remember that little boy who was six years old and he shot his teacher, right? And how crazy that case was. Well, that little boy's mother is going to jail for 21 months. So mother of six-year-old who shot Virginia teacher is sentenced to 21 months in jail. Deja Taylor was sentenced on Wednesday to prison for using marijuana while owning a firearm. I mean, I think 
she should have been um, arrested and, and convicted of things. I just feel like marijuana while owning a firearm is just not, that wasn't high up on my list of stuff she did, but okay. Um, so Deja Taylor's son used her gun when she shot her, his teacher, who's 26, in January at Rich Neck Elementary School in Newport News. So one of the reasons I kind of really was following this story is because I was stationed in Newport News while I was in the Navy. Did not enjoy it there. Would not recommend at all. Um, but the teacher, her name is Abigail, she filed a $40 million lawsuit against the school administrators, alleging that they ignored warning signs from faculty members, warning signs from other students, that the boy was believed to have a gun on the day of the shooting. So this is why the story got so much press, because four staff members over the course of this day, asked to search the child and the school administrators say no. There was four different times where incidents happened where either another student said, oh, I think he has a gun or like he showed me a gun or where another staff member or teacher saw that the little boy had a gun. Okay. And his teacher even said, I think he has a gun and nobody did anything at all and then he shot her. So then the teacher was able to like bravely get all the students together. And the police who came in that day said that she probably saved a lot of her students' life by how calmly she reacted, even though she was shot and was able to get the students out of the classroom. So now let's go back to why I think this mama should have charges against her, but I don't know necessarily about that charge because that charge seems a little dumped me um but allegedly the mom shot at her son's father's girlfriend like the week before this happened and so nobody was injured because apparently she missed and nobody called the police so like no charges were filed but they know that this incident happened so like she was obviously not being a good steward of her weapons um, because her son was able to get it and take it to school. And obviously it just doesn't sound like it was a very safe environment for the child to be in. Um, and, you know, I hope that this teacher, I hope that she, you know, heals and, and gets back together. And I really hope she wins her lawsuit because she deserves every single penny and more. And honestly, even some of the other teachers who weren't shot or shot at, like, what kind of school you have these people working in where, like, you won't even search a kid? And I don't understand the logic behind it. And I'm sure that a lot of people are going to say, well, it's because of the parents, Amber. You know, the parents don't want to take responsibility for their kids and the parents are going to get mad if, say, their kid got searched. So what? You you call them, right? Or And you send a letter home and stuff and you say, we searched your child. Now, if there's an issue, that's all going to come out afterwards, after the fact. But like, if four teachers and students are saying, hey, I think this kid has a gun, to me, the administration is wrong and there's no reason and no excuses to why they shouldn't have searched the little boy. 
you know, and, and y'all know I'm not all about calling the police on kids or anything, but if they wanted to have a police officer come and help them do it in this situation, I completely understand that. But I'm just so lost as to why, like, they just did nothing. And the, and the child was a terror, apparently, throughout the whole school year. So I'm glad that the teacher lived, and I'm really happy that no other kids were hurt and that they're holding the mother accountable for it. And that, honestly, like, nobody, somebody else could have got shot a couple weeks ago. So I'm glad the, the father's um, girlfriend is okay. Like, dang. All right, so um, lastly, I'm going to give an update on the Israeli-Palestinian war. So um, as of today, earlier I was listening to my favorite thing, NPR. I listened so that you guys don't have to, okay? Um, The Israeli army said it has killed six Hamas operatives. The current death toll for Palestinians is 11,000. You know, I am just really glad that out of that 11,000, they got those six people. Like, um, Israel is now currently bombing areas where they told Palestinians to evacuate to. There are still hostages being held by Hamas. Um, but according to NPR, a hostage deal is very close, but is not quite finalized. They're also working towards a ceasefire, and hopefully that happens. Maybe it will happen today or hopefully at the beginning of the week because um, a lot of people are dying, and the babies that were the incubator babies, um, even though some of those babies originally did pass away, they were able to evacuate those babies out of the hospital. So I hope wherever they are, they have incubators. And um, earlier today, Israel gave the Palestinians some gas. They let gas in. So hopefully they have power restored and things like that. You know, I just, it's just so sad to me that kids, I don't care whatever side they're on are either being held hostage or being killed. It's just a really sad situation and there really needs to be a ceasefire done. Um, and there's a lot of our politicians, democratic politicians who are on the wrong side of this. And I, you know, we're going to see what's going to happen in this upcoming election, but I don't know guys. Cause, cause it's not looking, looking good for old, uh, old Joe who got a, got a new nickname now. So, you know, we'll see what happens. And I, I just really hope that we're able to, as America stop funding the Israel government, um, I think they have enough. I don't think they need any more of our funding and that the bombing will stop and we can have these kids be treated and taken care of and safe. Um, so, well, that is all I have for you guys for today. So I hope you stay warm and enjoy the rest of your weekend. You can find us on all streaming platforms that you listen to podcast on. Make sure you give us a like and subscribe. You can find us on Facebook at Politics But Make It Fashion. We are on Instagram at Politics But Make It Fashion 1. And we are on TikTok at Politics But Make It Fashion. And we will chat soon.